Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Take a Seat. I am Sienna Hope, and I am joined by the wonderful and lovely Daisy Carter. She is the executive director of the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence of Central Mississippi. But beyond being a woman in leadership, she's a humanitarian, a mother to my beautiful, handsome nephew, and I'm so blessed to have her a part of my life. So, In this episode, we are really zooming in on how she carries all of these roles so well. And she does it like just extremely, just with poise, class, and oh my God. (laughs) You make me sound so good. So Daisy Carter. (laughs) You make me sound so good. I want to meet her. (laughs) First thing first, tell listeners exactly who you are and what you do. Okay. Uh, Daisy Carter again. I am the executive director. I've been with the National Council, or NCAB for short, for about 11 years, three months and six days. Oh, she got it down to the T. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, yes, I've been with that agency for a very, very long time where I've been um, an advocate, a volunteer, a mentor, the executive director, the janitor, the everything, you name it. I have been the spokesperson, the Mm -hmm. representative, all of the above, and a proud member of the organization. Yeah. So what led you to pursue a career in advocacy and specifically with NCAT? Um, I always knew that I had a willingness to help my community or better my community. I knew in the beginning that I wanted to be in education. I just knew that I had a drive to be a high school teacher you know, to teach and give back to the kids and, you know, be that spokesperson for them Mm -hmm. as the adult. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, the at-risk population or that that student population kind of drove me into the nonprofit world. It kind of focused on their needs outside of the classroom versus that education piece that they were getting. I wanted to know what was going on at home. Mm -hmm versus you know in the classroom Mm -hmm. so the national council provided both of both worlds the opportunity to educate and also be an advocate for the youth what were some of the things that you saw that you wanted to change when you made that decision that hey I want to work with this you know national agency Mm -hmm. Um, definitely the implementation part how education and policies were created funding Mm-hmm. going into the education field, policies that were created for youth, but not by the youth. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that voice, and I wanted to be that voice mm-hmm. and actually go and see what works for them and what doesn't work for them. Instead of having all of the legislators and the representatives, you know, kind of voice their opinions of what they think, but not going back into the classroom and getting the opinions of the students. And so with the National Council, we're able to get those surveys we're able to get that information and get the buy-in from the community in order to make those positive changes at policy. Okay. And you said that you've been an executive director for how long? I've been the executive director since 2015. Okay. With the agency a total of 11 years. Oh. <laughs> so talk to me about that transition that you had in those leadership roles where you know, you started within the company and within the agency, 
as a, in one particular position and then you were able to advance in your career. Um, and now, like you said, that you are the executive director of NCAD. So talk to me about that transition. The transition was a very good learning experience. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of leaders before me. My predecessor was very hands-on. She and he told me so many things and taught me so many things, and they were my mentors within the agency. And then I had a mentor outside of the agency that guided me along the way. I started as a prevention specialist. So in the beginning, you know, like I said, I wanted to be the teacher. So I got my degree in education and I Mm -hmm. tried teaching, you know, seventh grade English, but that didn't work out. And where did you get your uh, degree? Jackson State University. I just wanted to. Yes, yes. Jackson State (laughs) University. I just wanted to put it out there. Absolutely. (laughs) So I got my degree at Jackson State, decided to teach. Did that for a little bit um, on the emergency license with JPS. And then again, National Council presented an opportunity. I was like, yay, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. Then I went right into teaching again as a prevention specialist. But this time I was teaching about drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. The groundwork, I was laying the groundwork about what drugs and alcohol actually do to your body. Mm -hmm. So instead of teaching about English, composition, you know, (laughs) verbs, nouns, I was actually teaching about drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I end up starting at the ground level, and then working my way up through different positions within the agency. Okay, and talk to me about those that learning curve. Talk to me about some of the, the lessons that you were able to learn that allowed you to be prepared for a position like this. I learned a lot. It was mm-hmm. difficult and fun at the same time. It was difficult because I was working in the treatment world, in the recovery world, Mm -hmm. and working with individuals who suffered from a chemical dependency, substance dependency, Mm -hmm. um, a mental illness. And so that was the difficult part, learning how to have empathy and sympathy, but also try to make sure that I steer them in the right direction and not have my emotions on my shoulder. Mm. That was the difficult part. Yeah. And learning to communicate with the family and the individual, individual, letting them know this is your next step. This is what you need to do. But being stern yeah. and also compassionate at the same time. Yeah. Well, I know you said that that was difficult. And I can only imagine because, like you said, you have to be stern. But at the same time compassionate yeah be compassionate and have that empathy mm-hmm. how did you not take that home oh I did you, you do I still take it home I mm. take it home and you know you want to you know have some kind of outlet to get that information out someone to share it with at home and you know I did have some opportunities to have that outlet without disclosing who you know we were helping without mm-hmm. you know at the office but it was hard. That was the, that's the hard part. But the easy part is seeing the faces of the students and the individuals that we've helped at the store and they're with their families. They're like, oh, hey, that's a drug lady that helped me such and such. Mm-hmm. I do whatever. Yeah. You know, that's Miss Daisy. That's the lady who came to our school and taught us about drugs and alcohol. Or that's Miss Daisy who, you know, did the um, youth camp or the football camp um, with uh, at Jackson State University. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, um, that's, that's NCAT or that's the National Council. That's yeah. the good part. That's the part that 
continues to push me Mm -hmm. to continue to do my work. And that was exactly my next question. How does it feel to know that you're changing lives every day in your community at Mm -hmm. that? Oh, it feels wonderful. It feels wonderful. It feels great to see people in our shirts, you know, (laughs) riding with our pins. I'm like, hey, where'd you get that pin from? They're like, oh, I went to this event, you know, the National Council (laughs) event. I'm like, oh, nice. You know, they don't know who I am, but I'm like, yes, it feels great to see that. It feels great to see kids when you're speaking to them or youth and you're you're telling them something and a light bulb goes off in their head and they're like, oh, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, see, you you have to think about all of that. Yeah. Or when you see someone that you're getting into a treatment facility and they're like, oh, okay, I'm ready. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, thank goodness. Yeah. You know, thank God you're ready because yeah. we're ready to help you. Yeah. And this is where we're going to help you go. This is where we're going to place you. And these are the individuals that we work with on a daily basis. And they're, they're ready to accept you. Mm-hmm. We're just ready for you to accept the, the help that's out there. So they're coming in and they have open arms. Basically, yes. that's what you're saying. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. In this profession in this field whether it's prevention recovery treatment and those are the areas that we focus on you have to have an open arms you Mm -hmm. have to have that again that compassion and that willingness to help people Mm -hmm. you can't go in it with the onset of thinking oh this is a money maker opportunity you know I'm Mm -hmm. just gonna go in and just do my job no it's far and few in between that you know it's more than just that And how do you make sure that everyone that you lead also is doing the same thing that you're doing? Oh, yeah. I'm no better than without my team, my volunteers, the interns. We get interns from Mississippi College, from Jackson State University, um, from Tougaloo. Um, We accept our interns from basically all the universities and colleges around us. So we surround ourselves or I surround myself with people who are better educated than me that Mm -hmm. are innovative that have smart ideas that are ready Mm -hmm. and that are more willing than me to just step out there and try things that are different and new that you know that I haven't even thought of you know I'm more on the traditional side and they're thinking of things that no let's try this and I'm like okay go ahead let's see how it happens so yeah I'm no better than my team yeah so how how does that you know being surrounded by people who offer different, uh, what's the word? A different mindset. Yeah, they offer a different mindset, and, and especially with college students coming in, and they're thinking in a space where maybe you haven't thought before, or just, you know, creating ideas where it's different, it's yes. creative. So how does that push you, but also push everyone around? It's like a motivator. It's a mm-hmm. motivator. It kind of gives us, that's that coffee that we don't actually have to drink you know having those people around is that that push that that kick in the bottom that we actually need some days you know it's kind of mundane it's an everyday process but just having something new and a new an idea that's something that we a project that we can work on and we're like oh we're all for something new we're all for a new project we're all all for something that we can get the community involved in especially if we already have the community buy-in and we already have youth advocates or we already have young adults that are promoting it or including it and especially if it includes social media and you know all of that things that we're not that's part of our tradition Mm -hmm. or not a part of the treatment or the recovery tradition but a part of our prevention side so yeah Mm -hmm. we're all for that okay 
So, of course, helping others is a 24-7 commitment for you. I know I know that firsthand. <laughs> when you help people and mentor children in Jackson, what do you hope to show them? Um, and also, what do you want them to learn through your selfless acts? What do I want them to learn? What we definitely want to show them is to not be afraid to ask for help. You know, most people are very independent, self-sufficient, which is great. We want you to be financially self-sufficient self-sufficient of course Mm -hmm. but we want you to not be afraid to ask for help majority of the services that we provide are free but if you don't ask for it we don't know how to give it to you we don't Mm -hmm. know to provide it to you we don't know to direct you where you need to get those free services and majority of the services that we provide and around central mississippi you know there are a lot of free services but you've got to ask for them Mm -hmm. and we'll be happy to designate you or delegate or you know direct you and where you need to go to get those services so that's what we want to know want want the youth and people to know is to ask for help when you need it not be afraid to do that right why do you think there's some timidness when it comes to asking for help I don't want to say it's a pride thing but it just may be an an intimidation Mm -hmm. especially in the field that we work in pride intimidation fearful um almost um a lack of self-awareness you know some people are just not self-aware they're they're not sure what's going on and a lot of times it's mostly behavioral and mental illness that they're dealing with so Mm. a lot of times they're just not sure of who they are Mm. and where they want to go and they need that direction and we'll be more than happy to help them navigate that direction on our facebook page it says you know arrows of where you need help assistance you know love support it's on there we will navigate you and direct you on where to get all of that so i want to go back to a question or rather to um a point being that you're a woman in leadership what are some of the challenges you've had to overcome i guess one of the challenges that i've had to overcome is definitely asking for help too Mm. You know, wanting to prove that I got it, I can handle it, mm-hmm. I can be the super super woman of the organization without asking for help. But I've had to lean on my team, you know, delegate more and ask for more support within the agency. And that's direct support from my board of directors who have been actually wonderful throughout the transition of me for coming from cheap chief operating officer to executive director. They've been absolutely wonderful in that transition um, and me stepping into that new role in 2015. Um, But yes, that was one obstacle that I had to overcome is to say, hey, you don't have to do it all. You have a great team. Let's kind of lean in on them, Mm -hmm. delegate more, and then also surround yourself with individuals that can do work that you can't do or Mm. that you don't know how to do. Mm. So just coming to realization that, yeah, Daisy, you can't do it all. So who can do it? I know somebody that can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So surrounding myself with people who can. Yeah. And that's really interesting that you say that because a lot of times we, we, we want to do everything and we want to have a sense of control, but not in a way where it's, well, in some cases, it's negative. not in a way where mm-hmm. it's negative. It's just like, well, I'm just so used to it. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I'm so used to, yeah. you know, handling everything, but I don't have to handle it mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
why do you think that was so you for so long? I think it was so me for so long. We were a very small organization in the very beginning. Um, We only had a small team at the time when I was the prevention specialist. And then moving from the chief operating officer, we were very small. We still had a small organization. So we were wearing many hats within the agency. I was still playing the prevention specialist. I was Mm -hmm. still... The COO, I was still the CFO, I was still the janitor, you know, playing mm-hmm. different positions. And so when I became the CE, the the executive director, I felt like, okay, I still had to wear those other hats. Mm. And even though everyone was, everyone was yeah. filled, those positions were filled, I yeah. still felt like I had to wear those other hats. Mm-hmm. And that was unnecessary. And I think it was during a grant writing season that one of my project directors or project um officers he came to me he was like you need some help why don't you help let us help you you know just tell us you need some help and I applauded him for that and he he still comes to my office and says you know hey let me help you what do you have what do you need me to help you with Mm -hmm. so I'm very thankful for the team that we have at the office yeah that's Mm -hmm. great that's great speaking of many hats Mm -hmm. beyond work we're gonna step outside of work okay but you're, you're, you're still, you're still who you are. Like I said earlier, you're a humanitarian. I like to say, I mean, your volunteer work does not stop, you know, when you, when you leave work, it oh, continues. No. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. Tell me about your passion for helping the community. I'm also a Rotary member. I'm actually the treasurer of my Rotary Club, um, mm-hmm. Capital Area Sunset Rotary. They are a group of individuals who are young and wild and free, and <laughs> we love to get out there and do projects for our community. And I'm sure everyone on in that Rotary Club will say the same thing. We just want to help Um we have extra time, we have extra hands, we have extra funds, we have people with funds that we can go and ask for funding. Mm -hmm. If we need to help with these fundings of projects that we're doing, um, why not? You know, again, you get into this field or this, this area to help. And I, I say that word so many times, but it's the honest truth. We just want to help. I mean, it's, I don't know. I I just want to help. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I love being a Rotarian as well. And I sit on several boards for different um, nonprofit organizations as well, just to help um, their organizations um, find funding, help um, with the process of their administration, things of that nature. So, yeah. Man. Oh, wow. Goodness. It just keeps getting better and better. I I know. I'm not going to go through my resume, but yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So tell me how you hope to inspire the youth that you help every day, whether it's, like you said, within the agency, outside of the agency. I want them to get involved, more hands-on. A lot of the youth now are so engaged in their phones, computers, laptops, you know, in the house. I want them to get outside. They Mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to pick up a ball or a sport or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. more get involved, getting more engaged with the people that you live with, that you work with, that 
are, you know, driving on the street. I'm not saying that you have to become your neighbor's best friend, but just get more involved and engage with people and learn to communicate in that face-to-face direction without freezing up or not being able to communicate with people. So I want to inspire the youth to actually get out there and volunteer and engage more in that direct, direct face-to-face. Yeah, because... That's rare, especially now, especially now with the pandemic, but even prior to the pandemic, because I'm not going to blame everything on the pandemic. Yes. With the game system. Oh, yes. (laughs) With the phones. I can't even talk to my brother because he's so into his phone and so into the game. He stays on the game all All the time. Oh, yeah. So does your your nephew. Yeah, I know. So does Josh. Yes. Um, so I can completely understand. And then me as a millennial, I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I'm not really sure if I'm Jen, whatever. I don't know. But look at that uh, chart. <laughs> I'm whatever you are. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be that age category. But, um, you know, I, I see that. I see that. And so what do you, what do you think happened? I'm not sure what happened. Um, I was never involved in games nor phones. I'm not sure what went wrong. I've always been that student that wanted to hang with people and Mm -hmm. go and sleepovers and things like that and go play outside and make mud pies and Mm -hmm. hang with my friends. So I'm not sure what went wrong. Maybe it was the phones or just the internet, the easy access. And I think accessibility is just accessibility to everything at instant gratification just plays a part on everything that we do now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's um, a trigger to everything, um, everything that could possibly go wrong. Instant gratification, accessibility, that includes drugs, alcohol. I think Mm -hmm. it plays a big role on it. Yeah. 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 That's a a great point that you made Mm -hmm. with, you know, especially the advancement of technology. And, you know, I think about it and I'm just like, ooh, what's it going to be like five years from now? Oh, yes. What's what? it going to be like 10 years from now? I don't know. I'm almost fearful, but I'm excited to see. But mm-hmm. I'm also fearful as well, mm-hmm. especially with this day and age, this technology world, and then where our levels are with drugs and alcohol and, again, how accessible they are. And then everything can be bought and purchased online and they're getting this information that everything is okay um, by the, you know, social media and everybody's doing it, but everybody's not doing it. And just the information that they're getting is not always 100% accurate. And I can't say that enough that mm-hmm. everything you see and hear and read right. on the TV and on the news is not always true. So you have to be mindful to look that information up, to do your research, to do more reading, to make sure that you're getting the right information. So. Yeah. Right. That's that's everything that you said. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree 100%, 1000% actually. But, you know, then too you at the same time it's, it's kind of like a a double-edged sword in a mm-hmm. sense because with the accessibility of the internet and also just with technology in a sense, um it's like you have brands and businesses, companies, agencies have no choice 
but like to market yeah. to market they have so yeah. like it opens up a new avenue they have a choice let's they have a choice but they want to make the choice that leads to more profit for them mm. so they have a choice they just want to choose the one that is more profitable to them so, so what's your the- take on that um, we do advertisement education with our youth and we say, you know, Hey, how many of you see so many ads that are related to alcohol, especially mm-hmm. during Super Bowl? Oh my goodness. We, a lot of our youth watch Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. How many ads do you see during Super Bowl that surrounds alcohol? Mm-hmm. And you know, Budweiser. Watch the super, yeah. They, the main see one. All of yeah. Them. And they're like, Oh yeah, we love those Budweiser commercials. I'm like, I'm sure you do. And they're advertising for you mm-hmm. so that you become live lifelong customers mm-hmm. once they get you as an 18 year old even though the legal drinking age is 21 if they get you the younger you are you're, you're most likely to become a lifelong customer mm-hmm. and that's what we keep pointing out you know you're not going to see an advertisement for your mother who is not going to drink a sour apple beer, but your your mom doesn't even like sour apple candy. Mm-hmm. The sour apple candy beer is not for me. It's for you again, so that you're a lifelong customer mm-hmm. and same for tobacco and even your e-cigarettes, they come in all different flavors. You know, I'm not going to pick up a sour apple <laughs> e-cigarette, yeah. you know, that does not interest me at all. So yeah, we do a lot of advertising and branding education with the youth to let them know they're not marketing me as an adult they're marketing you so that you can be a customer forever yeah and I know that could be a a little frustrating oh yeah it's very frustrating very frustrating because the commercials are actually pretty good they are really good and you you it goes to your head and you're like oh wow that just went over my head that they they're trying to get my son they're trying to get you know my niece they're trying to get someone they're not prop you know they're not looking for me Mm. yeah yeah What's your career advice to women, especially those who are just stepping into their career and those who still aren't sure about what they want to be? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Let's see. Before I attended college, I told my aunt, I said, college is not for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think I need to go to college. College isn't for everyone. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me. She was like, what? What are you talking about? You're going to college. I was like, no, maybe I should just go and get my cosmetology license or something. She was like, no, you're going to college. And my parents were like, yeah, go to college. I think if you're not sure what you want to be when you go, when you get out into this world, when you graduate from high school, go to college. If you are undecided go to college until you figure it out but if you are certain you know what I don't know I can't even say yeah I don't think I can answer that question wholeheartedly because from the age of 18 to 23 you're still considered a minor Mm. you get less financial aid you still have to have your parents' signature and permission on every document. Right. But when you turn 23, you get more financial aid. You don't have to have your parents' information. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about where your high school GPA is. Mm-hmm. You can still apply for scholarships. You know, I don't know. I think education is up to that individual. So I guess if you're 18, 
you don't know if you want to go to school or go to college, maybe go to get a trade so you can go straight to work. And then if you decide at age 23, I want to go back and get my four-year degree, Mm -hmm. go to school and get your four-year degree. But if you're definitely undecided, I think you need to be in school somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you definitely need to be in school. For those stepping into their career, Mm -hmm. what's some advice? Because me, for example, I'm in my career and very proud to be in my career, Um, especially (laughs) especially (laughs) at this age. I'm extremely blessed because immediately when I graduated, well, prior to even graduating, I already had my job secured. So that's a blessing. You know, but there's times where I'm just like, I still don't know if I want to do this long term. And so it's like a question mark over my head. But then at the same time, it's just like, okay, I know I'm gaining experience uh-huh. in this particular field. So I, I have to tell my, you know, just kind of tell myself to, okay, stay centered, mm-hmm. stay focused, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't, don't go all, you know, just everywhere, um, which it, it hasn't been hard because this is what I love to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love to communicate and, this is easy. Um, yeah, <laughs> hasn't always been easy, but you know, it's, it's all been a learning experience for me. Um, so I guess, for example, what would be your advice to me when starting in my career? I would definitely tell you to get a mentor, someone that you're actually expiring to be, possibly expiring to be, and to see what their world actually looks like, to see what your world could actually possibly look like in 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't look attractive, then you know to step out and that's not for you. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely finding a mentor that someone is in a position that you could possibly see yourself in would be the best option. That's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I found a mentor that was like, okay, I want to be her when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a celebrity. It wasn't anyone like that. It was right. someone that was running a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. that I met through an internship. And I was like, I want to be her when I grow up. She is awesome Mm -hmm. she is awesome she's a grant writer she's a spokesperson she is aspiring she was beautiful inside and out she was giving great she was great and she still is and yes and everybody knows that she's my mentor and I could tell yeah (laughs) (laughs) They, they can't have her um yes and she is still very part of my life and I'm blessed to have found her mm-hmm. um through that internship yeah. that I had through yeah State. so yeah oh again JSU mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> can't go wrong oh no oh no what are some things that you learned during your mentorship that kind of helped you get a better understanding of what you wanted to be and how important is it to listen how important it was to listen. Yes, my mentorship was through Friends of Children of Mississippi. They are a pre-K organization. So they get funding directly through the federal government to house or create pre-K organizations all you know through Mississippi. So they are the ones who have the pre-K schools all through Mississippi. Great organization. I was fortunate enough to get an internship there um, with Dr. Marvin Hogan, and it was great. Um, He sat me down and he walked through everything. 
um, the basics of starting a nonprofit, the starting point of getting a board of your directors, um, how to get funding, how to actually go in and request funding through um, anyone that you've met on the street and do that 15 second elevator speech. He taught Mm. it all. And it was great because he had time and I was like, do you have something else to do? He was like, absolutely not. Sit down. We're going to talk. And we talked through my whole mentor, my internship. And I kept notes after notes after notes. So that internship actually taught me a lot. He showed me, walked me through hands on, introduced me to a number of people. And that internship was really great. But I then I said, I still want to teach. I think I still want to teach. Mm. And he was like, okay, you can still teach. You can do whatever you want. He said, you can do whatever you want. And then I did the teaching thing. I went back to school and got my master's degree. And then I was like, okay, Dr. Hogan, I think I want to go into nonprofit. He was like, I told you. I told you. I already told you. <laughs> but you know, it. you know, you just had to experience it. Yeah, I had to experience it for myself. Yeah, yeah. I definitely wanted to experience it for myself. And, and so. Yeah, and that's, I think that's also one of the things that we have to um, accept as well. That, oh, yeah. You know, experience is, is very valuable. And if you just, if you're not completely sure about what you want to do in life, Still go after experiences. Oh, yeah. And definitely volunteer. Yeah. And yeah. definitely and volunteer. volunteer. <laughs> and volunteer. <laughs> because, you know, they say when you volunteer, you're opening your heart to other people and you're just more likely to, you know, have compassion oh, and, yeah. and excel in whatever career field that you do because and you receive information differently Mm -hmm. especially if you're not paid to receive the information Mm -hmm. you receive information much differently yeah yeah so what's one of the most valuable things you've learned in life that sticks with you every single day what's something that you remind yourself of every day as just a reminder or what's that one thing that sticks with you every day that encourages you that pushes you that motivates you is there anything that you tell yourself, maybe? No. Mm-mm. Okay. I don't have anything. Oh, that's no terrible. affirmations. No like daily affirmation. No, once I'm a working week. on that. I'm working on my daily affirmations, but no, nothing. So you just get up and go. Yeah, I'll be yelling at Josh. Get up, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have me late. <laughs> no. Oh, that's terrible. No. That, no, it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I mean, you're just a total package, so. <laughs> I feel bad. No, I don't have anything. That that's look. That's okay. That's okay. I'm gonna work on that daily affirmation, though. Hey, well, maybe that that was me. And yeah, encouraging me to find yeah. that daily affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know sometimes you get tired or overwhelmed. Yeah, because I'm right now, I'm my energy is coming from my calendar. Mm. Like I have to write everything down, notes, everything is yeah. in my calendar. So that's my so how, so, <laughs> so how do you how do you not explode? How if do you it's keep not in my calendar, going? I won't explode. Yeah, <laughs> if it's, yeah. If I miss it, I'm like, oh, it wasn't in the calendar, so it wasn't meant to be. Well, I'm glad this podcast is in the calendar. Oh, yeah, it made it in there. But my meeting this morning did not make it in there. So I was like, oh, I wasn't stressed at all when they called me. I was like, oh, well. This leads me to my next and final question. Okay. Given that you're constantly pouring out to other people, how do you make sure you're taking care 
of yourself at the end of the day. Self-care. Self-care is always important and it can be the littlest thing. Mm -hmm. I tell everyone, self-care, we have mental health days at work, depending on what we have going on in the office. Yes, since we're a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. we have grant grant season, grant writing seasons that we go through. So we, the whole office works on research, writing, and then once we push submit on that grant, it's like a weight lifted off of our shoulder and then we can breathe. Then I'm like, okay, who needs to take a mental health day, you know? And then we take mental health days um, at the office, depending on who needs one. Mm -hmm. But for my self-care, it's a nap. I'm going to be completely honest. A simple nap, and it could be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> that is my, I wake up so happy and geeked for the next activity, the next project. Just give me a nap, and I'm good to go. Because that says rest. Yes. And that is so amazing that you said that and that you give yourself that because. A lot of times we don't yes you're just on go go go, go. <laughs> and you know with the you know going to sleep at night you're still thinking about the rest of the day and what about tomorrow but a nap you're like I'm just gonna lay down for a few few minutes so my brain will shut off just for a few minutes to let me rest <laughs> for that nap so that nap will be awesome yes. it will be great for yes. just that few minutes but yeah a nap is my self-care I'm, I'm learning to incorporate naps into my days, but I, I, I haven't yet. Oh, yes. But I, I have self-care in, in other ways. Like mm-hmm. I, I read books and um, journal. Okay. So that's my self-care. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for joining me in this episode. It was so wonderful, and you gave light to so much. And I just want to say thank you for sharing so much about NCAD but also so much about you. you and the person that you are and just the amazing things that you do thank you thank you so much for inviting me here I appreciate it and NCAD appreciates it um, if you need anything from us you can always reach us at NCADMS.org okay so is there any final words that you have for listeners donate at (laughs) ncadms.org all right see y'all in the next episode of take a seat be blessed y'all